In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. Betches Media presents... A lot of them aren't even pretending to be in charge. Slow the testing down. Remove him from office. Cast a vote that will make you proud. The Betches Sup Podcast. Will you shut up, man? Hello and welcome to the Betches Sup Podcast. I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Elise Morales. And I'm Millie Tamaris. If you're just tuning in, the Betches Up Podcast is your daily rundown of all the crazy shit going on in the news brought to you by your funniest well-informed friends. Which is us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if it's Tuesday, it's the three of us. Yes, happy, it is. Happy safe Harbor Day. A holiday mm. I didn't even I didn't even know of. Yeah. So today is December 8th, which marks the deadline for states to certify their vote counts and after which Congress is compelled to accept their results. So basically it's normally a meaningless holiday, but it seems like every day goes by where there's, we've discussed this, the three of us, there's another opportunity to celebrate Trump's loss. The day comes every four years, it comes six days before the electoral college votes to choose a new president. And that will be on December 14th. So it's basically our kind of no takes backsies day. I was reading about this and I was trying to think if I could incorporate a safe Harbor day for one thing in my life where it's like, okay, today's the day there's this thing happening six days from now, but it's over. You can't mess with it. What, what would it be? Do you guys have any? Like a, like a personal safe Harbor day. To me, the obvious answer is your period. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Cause I'm thinking bachelorette party. Oh, I I love that. (laughs) It's like, Okay, after this, like no takes backsies, but you know, we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna go to Thunder Down Under and have a good time. You know? <laughs> right. Anyone else fantasize about their bachelorette party and not their wedding? <laughs> right. No? Like if somebody in the party, like if Melanie now has a Zoom call at 3 p.m. and can't go to happy hour, that's it. Sorry, it's not happening. My mind like immediately went to wedding stuff where it's just like whatever's going on by this day is just what's going to happen. <laughs> like, <laughs> because we've had to like make so many like we're basically planning two weddings at the same time because I mean hopefully by August of 2021 we're all in a really good place. We have good news today, so we'll <laughs> talk about that, but until we know, we don't know. So I feel like I need to install a safe harbor day that's like, by this day, a month out, you're deciding which plan is happening. Right, right. Exactly, exactly. Speaking of the vaccine, so the vaccine is making her big debut today. Today really felt like the day. I wanted to add a note from yesterday's show about the vaccine. So yesterday, Brian, Sam, and I discussed a Pew Research survey that found that men were much more likely to say that they would get the vaccine today than women. And we were sort of exploring why that might be, what that discrepancy came from. A number of you messaged us yesterday to say that this was probably had something to do with fertility concerns, which we had not addressed. Um, I did a little bit more looking into that. And, you know, I can imagine if you're trying to conceive, 
anything without a clear answer is something you want more information about. Right now, there's not a lot of information about the virus or excuse me, about the vaccine and fertility, which is obviously a perfectly good reason to look more into it. So that could account for some of that discrepancy. Obviously, we're, we are totally sensitive to that. Call your doctor. If you want to get pregnant and you don't know if you should take the vaccine, don't don't listen to us. <laughs> Call your doctor. We but, are um, not the ones. We are not the ones with that information. Truly no. a conscious shift to <laughs> no. what, to get pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I think about fertility. It did not occur to me. A shift for me. So I understand why you made that mistake. Because no, I still do the five second rule. Like, don't listen to anything that I say about health or wellness. <laughs> <laughs> And then eat it. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But as we said, the vaccine made her big debut specifically across the pond. Elise, you want to take us through it? Yes, because I, um, Millie, you, this is something that I used to do that we haven't had the opportunity to do in a long time because we've been so consumed with domestic news. But this is a segment that we like to call Pip Pip Cheerio, it's British News. (laughs) (laughs) The first person got the vaccine today. The UK began vaccinating people outside of clinical trials today. A 90-year-old woman named Maggie Keenan became the first person to receive a COVID vaccine outside of clinical trials this morning. She got the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine. She's not Uh, worried about her fertility. No. (laughs) Maggie's thinking about other things at this Mm -hmm. point. I do also want to note that the second person to get the vaccine was an 82-year-old man named William Shakespeare. <laughs> really? Like Yes. His name is William Shakespeare. I don't know. He was know number if- 2. I do like that they were like, okay, well, we have to give it to William because he's here and his name's William Shakespeare, but he doesn't get to be number 1. <laughs> right, right. I wrote this joke before the podcast and now I'm all nervous, but I Really thought like what what wave of feminism is it when a woman is the first to get a vaccine that we know kills primarily men? (laughs) (laughs) Interesting, interesting. Men, fifth wave. Fifth wave. I think (laughs) fifth wave. I think we skipped over. (laughs) Um, I will say that someone who I met one time did post over the weekend that they are concerned that the vaccine will transfer. will transfer a monkey's memories to you. Mm, um, why wouldn't you want that? <laughs> I First of all, I was like, that's amazing. If that's true, I want that. Obviously. Like, I want, that sounds like a superpower to me. Mm-hmm. Like, now I'm me and I have a monkey's memories, so. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right, that doesn't seem like a negative side effect. That no, seems like, was, that seems mm-hmm. sort of like this, the vaccine is, like, you know, with Viagra, it was really just supposed to treat heart disease, and they're like, oh, well, that didn't work, oh, but this did. So in the future, if people want monkey memories, they can just get the COVID vaccine. <laughs> yeah, oh, right. unfortunately, the vaccine doesn't work, but it does give you a monkey's memory. <laughs> You know what? And with all the Harambe, you know, fandom, I can see it really taking off. Can I share my the drama with the vaccine tweet that I had? Yes, I would love for you to. I forgot that that revolves specifically around the vaccine. Yes. yes. So I did a tweet yesterday. I did a thing where I tweeted, (laughs) um, if you ate public school lunch in America, then you shouldn't worry about what's in the vaccine. And I specifically said America because... I've been to other countries and public school there is, I mean, when I was in Japan, 
what they ate for lunch. This shit was good as hell. And they had like real chefs anyway. And yeah. like elementary school. Um, but uh, I got, you know, a lot of people, everyone commented with all their weird things that they had in lunch, like hot dogs with green spots and like all this nasty mm-hmm. stuff. And then I got retweeted by this Twitter account called White Nonsense Roundup. And they said, they said, quote, tweet, this is classist, stop it, or something. <laughs> and mm-hmm. then I, you know, I retweeted, I was like, oh, I'll put it on my credits. And then all these people started like kind of cyberbullying, right? And then I looked on the site, it's, it's a it's a society, it's a volunteer <laughs> run, it's a volunteer one co-op of white people who call out white nonsense. It's for white people. In to solidarity with, with people. <laughs> um, so they doubled down a little. You know, people called them on there like the person's not white. And also the joke was, you know, obviously, uh, you know, you've seen like literally yesterday I had Little Caesars for breakfast. I'm not even joking. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> little Caesars leftover from last week. For breakfast. It was rooted in your experience as someone who has eaten a public school, school lunch, lunch many times is here and thriving. And to be clear, Millie, your profile, your Twitter avatar is a picture of you. Yes, but I did tell Elise, I am in the picture at Ohio State University in, in, <laughs> in a dorm room, uh, in a dorm or like in a kitchen of a college housing because it was like last year or whatever, surrounded by Natty Light. So maybe okay. they just saw the Natty Light and we're like, oh, okay, she's Caucasian. And to that, I say no. <laughs> So I, I did cyberbully no. them. I'll admit it. I'll come Thank forward you, and say that I cyberbullied them. At least one of many. But yeah, that was just so funny. And then I'm, you know, and I'm still getting the tweet's still going great. It's doing numbers. Really, we put it in the Betches. I saw it in the Betches Up newsletter this morning. Mm-hmm. Thank and you. I believe yep. the the white the nonsense whites apologized. They did. They did apologize. Twenty dollars reparations or something. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. reparations. Well, yeah, because the irony is that they're like whatever doing this thing, and I'm like, "Ah, I've done this campaign already, and you can just pay me. Um, (laughs) Yeah, but yeah, it's just the whole thing. But people are. It is crazy though. Like people are sharing pictures and like the times they've gotten sick from school lunches. And you know, I mean, I don't know if you've seen those documentaries about public school. That's a whole other podcast episode Mm -hmm. about how disgusting American public school lunches are on purpose because some big company is in the pockets of right wing politicians. And there you go. I mean, I'll never forget the taste and consistency of the square pizza, just like the way the cheese looked. Oh, on right. It. And just as you said that I tasted it and it tastes kind of sweet. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Sweetness to the pizza. <laughs> It was it's like a never lot of uniformly cooked. Like it's it burns your mouth in some parts, and it's very cold and hard in other yeah. parts. And like you could also bucket. get yeah, get a side of like it wasn't individual fries. It was more of like a fry croquette where they yes. had all sort of they've all melted together to create a mush of fry a, bra- a ball of fry. A rat king of fries. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I will say though, someone did bring this up in in defense. The French toast sticks. Yes. Okay. Yes. Amazing. amazing. Yeah. Uh, French toast sticks were good. That's we can't amazing. take that away from public school lunch. No, no. So let's listen to a clip of Margaret after she got her jabs. So Margaret, first of all, tell us, how, how was it? How was it oh, for you? It, it was fine. It was fine. I, I wasn't nervous at all. It was 
Really good. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, I'd say go for it. Go for it because it's it's free, and it's the best thing that's ever happened uh, at the moment. So, do please go for it. That's all I say. You know. If I can do it, well, so can you. you know? At the moment, I don't know how I feel. It's just, um, just so strange and uh, so wonderful, really. Yeah. So, anyway, you see, this is for a good cause. So I'm so pleased I had it done. Hey, American Fever Dream listeners, I'm here to tell you that there is no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift. Because now you can use gift mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone for any occasion. And it's easy. You just tap or click Gift Mode in your Etsy app or Etsy.com and then answer a few questions about who you're shopping for and what they like. And Gift Mode instantly gives you a curated gift idea list based on hundreds of personas. Now it is simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. So whether you need a Mother's Day gift for the quilter or a birthday present for the vintage hunter, there is something for everyone on Etsy. Some of my favorite things to do are go to Etsy gift mode and then search absurd things like what kind of gifts do you have with Walter Cronkite on them? What kind of gifts do you have for dachshund owners? There's jewelry, ceramic, toys, board games, all kinds of fun stuff. A gifting moment is always right around the corner, whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you. Gift mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try gift mode on Etsy now. Today's episode of American Fever Dream is brought to you by Newly. Have you ever felt that fast fashion ick, but can't always afford the super high-end stuff? I have a solution for you. It's Newly. Newly has everything you need to bring your closet up to speed for the season without breaking the bank. Free your closet of impulse purchases and skip the buyer's remorse by renting instead. Newly is a subscription rental service, and for just $98 a month, you get your choice of any six styles. They also have inclusive sizing, up to 5X, as well as petite and maternity. You get fast, free shipping and returns and professional cleaning and newly state-of-the-art laundering facility. No laundry for you to worry about. This is the best. You just put it back in your box, send it out, and before you know it, you've got your next one. And you always have the option to buy what you love for sometimes up to 75% off. I bought the Rachel Antonoff pasta puffer from them. I was obsessed with it, like everybody who tries it is, and it was completely sold out everywhere else. So I felt like I really, really had an in there. So thank you, Newly. Newly is an amazing value at $98 a month for any six styles. And right now you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code FeverDream20. Just go to N-U-U-L-Y.com. That's newly with two U's and enter the code FeverDream20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y.com, newly with two U's with code FeverDream20. Newly subscription clothing rental, change your clothes. So speaking of white people being idiotic about the COVID vaccine... My favorite part of the show. This can go just, any way. Any I, I literally don't know what this is going to be. About. Yeah. Oh my God. Exactly. Apparently just listened to yesterday's episode when I just wondered aloud why white women were so crazy for not getting the vaccine. <laughs> the New York Times reported last night that the Trump administration declined to order additional rounds of the company's vaccine when offered the opportunity months ago. Now, when I first saw this story, I looked for every between every line for this story to not sound as bad as it is. It's pretty bad. 
We'll fast forward a little bit to clarify that there are opportunities to get the vaccines. It's not like this means it's going to run out in a month and we're all screwed. Who knows what time holds for us? But the background is that Pfizer offered the United States many more doses than we ended up accepting. So we only reserved 100 million doses of the vaccine. But remember, you need two doses of this vaccine two weeks apart. So that's really just 50 million doses. There are 330 million people who live here. (laughs) math math this is why he doesn't show us his sat score Mm. even in my calculator i Mm. could do that math donald if you the question if you have 300 million people and a vaccine takes two doses it's like trick question many doses do you need that's a nasty question yeah yeah, it's like a hundred nasty question i feel like we can um blame jared for this right i feel like jared yeah because jared i mean jared didn't do but two things right one, um, you know, total landscaping, Four Seasons Total Landscaping, just prove they're incompetent in every way. Every kind of right move that they can make, they're not going to make it. It's not a personal, that's what I have to remember. It's not a personal thing. They just are idiots in every single way. I can't believe people voted for them. And another thing 70 is 70 million. 70 million. 70 million. <laughs> 70 million people thought the people who under under ordered uh, by 250 250 is great. And then that's making America. great. These are the Karens that God forbid you're at a fucking potluck for them. And there's not enough food would lose their minds. And they're like, Mm -hmm. it's okay. Donald just didn't order enough. They can get at the back of the line. Then that's fine. If they're in the, if they're in the small group of women who say that they're not going to get a vaccine, then they can go at the back of the line. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and another thing is I'm watching the crown. Right. Yeah. And, you know, like when I have confidence that the Biden administration is going to muscle some country, unfortunately, <laughs> muscle some country into giving us more doses or they might go the polite route. And we don't really have a monarchy, but we do have celebrities and we do have Hunter Biden. We have Michelle Obama. We have Beyonce. They'll send. They'll send to finagle. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And yeah. so like, oh, we can't really. The government failed. But Hunter, why don't you go and flirt with some people at Moderna? <laughs> <laughs> Listen. Yeah, maybe yeah. we can get Beyonce to say she'll never tour internationally unless yeah. they give us these. Vaccines. I guess oh, they she, she would have to actually. Beyonce could extract so many concessions for that. I, for sure, absolutely. So Absolutely. more on this this crazy fumble. So the Times, I don't like to just repeat numbers too much on the podcast because it's hard without concept, context, but we had the opportunity to buy 500 million doses. So you can sort of imagine a situation where they thought there will be more vaccines, we'll have time to order more doses. And that is true. There is room for expansions in the existing deals. There are a number of vaccines um, set to be approved. And my understanding of this vaccine is that the ones that are being approved, just the, the nature of this vaccine, they're quite similar across the board. So that bodes well for the subsequent vaccines that are getting in line for approval now. And again, we can um, expand some of those previous deals. But just for context of South and other areas, Canada pre-ordered almost nine doses per person. We have less than one, <laughs> probably. And the European Union snagged 200 million doses, so twice as many as we did. So it's not like there was clearly a uniform consensus among all of like the deal makers with the vaccines in these nations mm-hmm. and conglomerates that no, 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 it just makes most sense to buy to buy in bulk later. Clearly, people had foresight to 
take the opportunity to buy as many in the first round as they could. And these countries are not losing the life that we are on a day-to-day basis. I know. My question is just like, <laughs> why? Why didn't you buy it? Like, it, it really goes back to what Millie was saying is like, the incompetence is so pervasive. It le- it's They're incapable of making a single responsible decision. Why wouldn't you buy at least in that one dose for everybody? Why not reserve at least one? We've got Canada reserving nine. Why wouldn't you at least reserve one for everyone? And it's this whole thing of like America first. <clears throat> and they make fun of all these different countries of like America first was like, what that is the most American thing to buy up more than you have, you know. Right? So, but but it's just like they know that they're protected. It's and- so interesting yeah. because I would have like the Trumpy thing that I would have thought would be to yeah buy. I bought them all, and yeah. now all the countries are gonna have to come to me because yeah. we bought them all. Yeah. I wonder <laughs> if it's the thing where he's like the same with his like taxes and his debt. He's like, no, no, we did not buy enough vaccines. We're just under leveraged with the vaccines. Yes, we've under leveraged ourselves with vaccines. <laughs> we'll be fine. You don't know how this works. Art of the I know deal. how this works. Art of the deal. Art of the deal. <laughs> and can you, I mean, this story is in the context of the things I just said, which is that the vaccine is looking great. It's a, it's a global miracle of human history, but what if it hadn't been? And what if we weren't, you know, just months away from being able to order a lot more? So let's move into what Biden has to confront next. So now it will fall to Biden's administration to figure out how to procure hundreds of millions of additional doses. But a bigger problem is just the supply chain for a lot of the other things. Um, It feels like deja vu because we knew when the pandemic started, there was a PPE shortage. When we finally got testing in order, where we had test availability, we didn't have the pipettes. And that's sort of where we are again. Um, We could lack syringes and needles. These things have to be stored, 600 million doses eventually stored at sub-zero temperatures. That's a lot of work. So it's possible that Biden will have to implement the Defense Production Act, which is something that the Trump administration never really took full advantage of, uh, I think, because they were just not not capable of of doing. Incompetent on every level. (laughs) Incompetent. I just feel like yeah, incompetent and capable. I feel like to be a politician, whatever, you're just going to have to be comfortable with people not liking you and like making tough decisions and making somebody unhappy. And <clears throat> Trump is incapable of really giving bad news or making people who like him unhappy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, um, or even admitting like that things are serious or scary. Cause if it was defense, production act like we haven't used that since world war ii or something Mm -hmm. so to that would be in a defeat for him you know what i mean i also i feel like at his core he's also chicken shit like he's too scared to make a real decision about anything like that's why he like always like throws the the board over before ending a game he's afraid to commit to anything because then he might lose then he might be seen as wrong he's afraid Mm -hmm. to like make any moves so that's why like ultimately we really haven't done anything and that's why he left everything to the states and all of that stuff because he doesn't want responsibility Mm -hmm. for anything and he's too scared and he's too small of a person for the job that he Mm -hmm. has and it's Mm -hmm. tough because like 
his whole appeal to people is that he's not a career politician, but career politicians, like that's what they do. They, yeah. That's what they do. They make tough decisions. They, they can bullshit and whatever the things that we don't like, like just th that's what makes them good. You know? So it's like tough. Right. It's like, he's a politician, but for businesses, like he wants <laughs> to make sure he doesn't alienate any coalitions and thinking about Donald Trump. I mean, a lot of the decisions he made or didn't make were, I think, mostly ineptitude, and some of them happened to also align with what we think he thought his political fortunes were, whether or not he saw them as such, not taking certain steps because he thought that the testing uh, showed more cases and that would hurt him politically. You know, when this story came out this morning, Donald Trump probably isn't thinking like, oh, man, like I should have ordered more. He's like, yeah, I made the right choice for me at the time. Like, yeah. He's not oh, worried yeah. about it. He doesn't care. He's he sees like just in front of his own face. And if he makes it through like the minute that he's in, mm. that's all that's all that he's got. <laughs> like I know. He, he doesn't have anybody around him to even like pose the hey, maybe you should think about right. six months ahead, one year ahead, five years ahead. Mm -hmm. What would getting out of the Iran deal or Paris Climate Agreement right now do for America in 10 years or 15 years? No. 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 He All he cares about is he's like, this is going to make really big news for me in this exact moment. Right, right. So today, Donald Trump is apparently announcing some sort of executive order that he probably will have maybe by the time you've listened to this show. It's unclear what that will hold with regard to vaccines. He's basically just saying all the Pfizer vaccines have to come to us. I don't know how you force them to do that. Um, I do not know. Obviously, there's also a globe. There's ethics to the global distribution of this vaccine that I am very happy Trump is not the one answering those questions. And the United States will play a role in that because like Millie said, like when we actually have the wherewithal, we do have the purchasing power and the influence to kind of make things go our way for our people. It is wild to think that in the current administration, there's no, but nobody's thinking about the global role that the United States plays in ending the pandemic. No. no. Oh my God. Do you think that they're thinking about like how we help like other nations distribute the vaccine at all? Probably, I, I, I like it's laughable to even think that they would be like, be like, oh, the US needs to work with other nations to do global distribution and all that stuff. Yeah. It's like, I hope Canada's thinking about that. Yeah, <laughs> they, you know, they like they've got to. a ton of the vaccine. Oh, they can help us. <laughs> so let's move into our last topic. Biden is expected to nominate retired General Lloyd J. Austin III, a former commander of the military effort in Iraq, to become Secretary of Defense. I wanted to bring this up today because it was the three of us that discussed on a previous podcast um, that he might it really looked like he was going to pick Michelle Flournoy, mm -hmm. who had previously led the Pentagon, not at the top, not as defense secretary under the Obama administration. We discussed how she would be the first woman to become secretary of defense. Um, Austin would become the first black person to lead the defense department. But Flournoy's frontrunner status invited some criticism of her hawkish stance on previous conflicts. And we had discussed on the podcast how it's not really feminist to drop bombs on mm. land where women and their families live. Mm. I'm sure that's a very reductionist uh, summation of, of women in national security, specifically at that level. But that um, progressive reaction to some of her hawkishness and previous decisions, in addition to some feedback that the administration wasn't naming enough black officials to 
to positions that really, I don't want to say that really matter, but have to do with policy. Um, mm -hmm. You know, we've been seeing the comms team is all women, which is great, but are they the ones making these actual mm. policies? So Lloyd, General Lloyd Austin will have to be confirmed by Congress. He will also, he's only four years out of the military. I actually didn't learn until today that you have to be a civilian to lead the Defense Department and you have to be oh. out of the military. Yeah, for about seven years or retired. Mm. He's only been out about four. They gave Mattis a waiver so he could still serve for Trump, but senators at the time signaled that they weren't going to do that again. So obviously, you're like, we'll do it for you, but then not again. I'm sure that Biden would not have made this appointment had he not talked to enough Senate Democrats that signaled they would be fine with this. But it is really, um, this is a pick where we've seen the Biden transition team really respond to feedback. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I wonder how progressive this guy is, you know, and especially with a military background. Um, and I totally understand why you wouldn't want to have somebody in the military serving in the, def you know what I mean? Because you might be skewed. Uh, but I'm excited again, uh, like Elise was saying, you know, for all the the damage and all this stuff that um, the U.S. has like historically done with other countries, <laughs> Like, I'm excited that our foreign policy, our defense is starting. I mean, I'd be excited for the future, too, for it to start from, like, diplomacy and poli yeah. politics and all that, you know, and all that stuff. And, like, working with countries instead of, like, America first in ways that don't mean anything. Yeah. And just, I mean, just the fact that, like... I think there are still positions at the State Department that haven't been filled. Like the degradation of our diplomatic arm has been so huge. And like there were so many like global incidents that normally the U.S. would have taken leadership positions in where we didn't. And mm -hmm. it's, you know, even for me, it's like I'm excited to see the Cuba policy go back to something that's like mm -hmm. normal and based in like actually helping that country and not just like weirdly trying to win the state of florida and being a dick <laughs> so yeah yes, really right mm -hmm. yeah we have a couple more ex a big biden cabinet positions yesterday he announced um um xavier becerra as head of health and human services which was another pick that seemed to be really in reaction to progressives saying we need more diversity of background and opinion and mm -hmm part of the party that you're filling this with. And we're seeing that that happen again. I don't know a ton about Austin's background. And to clarify, like when we were talking about Flournoy, I'm not saying that I think, and we said this on the episode, I'll actually link it in the description. We're not saying that women have a responsibility to be less into war in mm. order to achieve certain positions, but that it was just another thing worth considering. Like, I don't think Michelle Flournoy didn't get this job because as a woman, she wasn't chill enough about wars i think it was because as a person she was inviting certain feedback and yeah i think there's all these like signaling you know people i think like earlier this year there was a conversation with amy coney barrett and then also with ivanka trump about like conservative feminism or like you know feminism that really cares about tradition and it's just like no if you're going to, you can't just hire somebody, just like you can't hire a black person or brown person just to have the face and then not really support, you know, that's not really mm -hmm. the representation we need. So like that was totally the criticism of Michelle was that, okay, she's a woman, but she's the same. <laughs> 
Yeah, it will be interesting to see in what way having this diverse cabinet, all of these firsts, first Latino to run HHS, first Latino to first black person to run defense, like all of that stuff. Like it'll be interesting to see in what way it translates to policy changes, differences in the way we look at strategy, stuff like that. Like um, we have like uh, for an immigrant who's in charge of Homeland Security now, like, will that change our policy? How will it change our policy? I mean, obviously, the, what we're doing at the border is going to change mm. in the next administration. But will it change from what the Obama administration was doing, which wasn't that great either? Like, it, it'll be interesting to see how these changes actually come into effect as this like super diverse cabinet takes hold. Yeah, and I, I think also our our service members are a large percent of them are black and Hispanic. And I feel, I do think it's about time that we had somebody who makes decisions about where they're going to put their life on the line, who has Mm. is similar to them and knows their background and is mindful of that. Definitely. That's our show for today. Until the end of democracy. I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Elise Morales. And I'm Millie Tameras. And this is the Betches Up Podcast. The Betches Sub Podcast is produced by Sean Kilby and Amanda Duberman. Our podcast managers are Mike Coscarelli and Sean Kilby. Social media by Amanda Duberman. Artwork by Brittany Levine. Be sure to follow us at Betches underscore Sup on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send your emails to sup at Betches.com. Betches.